In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to talk about a teacher, a professor, that I have had for several classes throughout seminary life. And the rest of the seminarians had the same professor as well. And we all hold him in common as a cherished figure among us who's taught us a lot. And the reason he stands out, among other reasons, is that he's not only a brilliant guy, he's not only been someone who's guided us to look at the gospel from unique perspectives and to really apply it to our lives, but what stands out about him the most is he doesn't just teach. He doesn't just stand there and lecture. He doesn't just print out great handouts and study guides. He takes everything he teaches very seriously. He lives everything he teaches. He exemplifies everything he teaches. And that is the best kind of teacher any of us can ask for. Just to tell you a little bit more about what I mean by this, the times that we go and see him or that he comes here to San Diego to come see us, to visit us, we always share a meal together. So last time I saw him in Denver, where our master's program is based out of, I went to his house, Father Tristan and I, and we sat and had dinner with him and his family. We walk in, his children are between the ages of four and 13 at the time, and we have a normal American dinner. And then after the food, after everyone's finished eating, we set the plates aside, and each member of the family gets out a Bible. So our professor would sit at the head of the table. He would open up a passage based on where they left off last, during the last meal that they had, and he would read that passage, and then he would start explaining it in a way that kids, that, that kids of those age would understand. And while he was doing that, his wife would sit at the opposite end of the table and take notes for the sake of compiling a study guide that is applicable to parents who want to teach children of the same age about Scripture and how to understand the lessons of Scripture. Yes, they would even use the Old Testament. They would even explain the Old Testament. So this is the kind of family I'm talking about. Scripture, the study of Scripture, the faith and the morals that are derived from the faith, this was at the center of their lives, and it still is, it always is. We often call them the holiest family that we know. And again, it goes back to what kind of teacher he is. How does he stand out so well? It's because he takes very seriously what he teaches. He lives it out. And again, that's the best kind of teacher we can ask for, because that's the most serious kind of teacher we can ask for, because that's the most loving kind of teacher that we can ask for. I'm mentioning him because he's an example of how Jesus lives and teaches among the disciples, among his followers, among his children, and continues to do so today. So in the gospel passage we just heard, it's very obviously written to show that the resurrection was a reality. Here we see Jesus appearing to some of the disciples in his flesh, 
asking for food so that he can show them his resurrected body is an actual reality. But that's not all this gospel is teaching us. Oftentimes in those days, you'll hear scholars commenting on this passage and saying, when people would go out to fish, there'd be typically more fish at night in a lake like this. So that's why it was during nighttime. And they would leave one individual, at least one individual on the shore to guide them because the individual could see where the shallow parts of the water would meet the deep ends and so could scope out the fish in a better way than they could while they were on the lake. So they would need some kind of guide, some source of wisdom on the shore. And these were fishermen. You would think they would know how to do that. You would think they would remember such an important aspect of fishing. But it seems like they don't remember that. It seems like they still need help. And there Jesus appears to help them. There Jesus appears as the teacher, even after his resurrection. There Jesus appears with his church, even after the resurrection, guiding his church, making sure it's fed, making sure it's sustained, making sure it's being provided for. He's the best teacher we could ask for because he didn't just talk about love, he didn't just talk about forgiveness, he didn't just talk about mercy, he didn't just talk about charity and humility and all the rest of it. He embodied it. He emptied himself. Divinity emptied itself and married humanity, mingled itself with humanity so that we could learn in the closest possible proximity what holiness looks like and why it's worth following ourselves. That is the best kind of teacher we can ask for because it's the most serious kind of teaching. It's the most loving kind of teaching. The best kind of teaching is incarnational. It empties itself out of love, out of sacrifice, out of willingness to help the other, out of willingness to love the other. And Jesus does that better than any teacher we've ever seen. No faith can profess something like that. No faith can say our God wanted to teach us in such an intimate way that he became one of us. And Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop at just his earthly life when he was walking as a man in the areas of Israel and Palestine. He established a church on purpose. He established a priesthood on purpose to carry on his teaching. One of the reasons we call the church the body of Christ is because it conforms to the head. It follows the head, the head being Jesus. So the body does what the head initiates. The church exists today to continue carrying out the work of Jesus. So when we ask ourselves, what kind of teachers are we? And how do we receive our teachers that we have in our own lives? If you want to take your Christian vocation seriously, it's got to involve the church. This is the teaching body that Jesus purposefully left us. It's not something the apostles created as a project on their own after Jesus left. They didn't decide to spontaneously become priests. He did it himself. And it's for the sake of teaching us. It's for the sake of loving us. It's for the sake of becoming incarnational to us. Not just 2,000 years ago, but every Sunday at the Mass, where you hear the instruction when you open the Scriptures 
and then have the opportunity to receive him while you're in communion with him. Yeah, that's a beautiful model of love. That's a beautiful curriculum. Without this, brothers and sisters, we can look at the consequences in the words of St. Benedict when he gives us this image of a satellite, a satellite that loses its, loses its direction. We all know satellites move in an orbit. They have a pattern. And Pope Benedict teaches us if a satellite loses its direction, if it falls out of orbit, it's going to hit everything it can possibly run into in space, destroying itself and destroying all those things it runs into. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake if we ignore our teachers and our lives. That's what's at stake if we fail in our teaching responsibilities. And above all, that's what's at stake when we ignore the teaching and love that comes from the graceful instruction of Christ throughout our lives. Amen. Uh-huh.